absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I grew up in HBCU environment. So for me, you know, it was a no brainer. I always wanted to, to go, you know, play it in the SWAC because I was, uh, you know, being in Mississippi and Jackson, we saw Jackson State and Alcorn and Mississippi Valley and all those big time rivalries. And I saw a lot of the guys that I looked up to, you know, playing, you know, so for me, that, that, that choice was pretty easy. Um, and, and me going through what I went through and being with the coaches that I went through, you know, I didn't really look at it as what we didn't have. You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But now things are so much more visible with social media and all this other, these media outlets, kids know now. Kids know, you know, uh, watching Zion Williamson on TV and he has five different pair of tennis shoes. You know, it's, yeah. it's a difference, you know. It, it makes a difference. But, you know, I, I still don't frown upon it. I just try to work as hard as I can to make sure my guys have, you know, everything that they need and everything that, that they will want as far as when they go to college. Um, and, and a lot of programs, you know, they struggle with that, especially HBCUs. You know, we don't, we're not funded like everybody else. And, and we realize that. And, you know, we do a lot of different things to try to, you know, equal the playing fields. And, um, but but, it, but it, it could be a tough situation if you didn't know what you were getting into, you know. Fortunately for me, fortunately for me, I grew up in it. I understand it. Um, and and I try to, um, with our program, we really try to subsidize a lot of different things to make sure that our kids aren't lacking for anything. You got that right. And, and so you're in a historic conference, the SWAC conference. You said Jackson State, Mississippi Valley State, Alcorn State, all the schools in the SWAC, you know, they all have a history about them, Coach. And I know for me, since it's my school in OVC, I wish it was in the SWAC or the MEAC, but we're in OVC because it's not the same because I, I love the, the environment of a SWAC basketball game and the bands and the, the camaraderie, just being around your people, man. Let's talk about how just – that the, that's the environment experience of a swag game and how you just feel that love and that soul about the game of basketball, where everything else going on, on around the court as well. I, I'm telling you, I remember being a kid and I was at the, uh, the Athletic Assembly Center. Um, no, it was the Coliseum, actually. They played at the Coliseum when Audie Nara shattered the backboard. Wow. I was a little kid. <laughs> I was a little kid, and I still remember that like it was yesterday. And it was jam-packed. And, man, you, you know, I went home just talking about Audie Norris. Like, he, he shattered the glass, you know. Um, those are memories that, that I, I, I lived with growing up and, and watching um, Michael Phelps and watching Aaron Brandon and – you know, all those great basketball players that, that, you know, Machine Gun Kelly at Texas Southern, you know, it, it was a lot of guys that were really, really good. And, and man, I, I just thought, you know, even going to the football games, being in that environment, you know, watching uh, Jerry Rice come to Memorial Stadium and it's sold completely out, you know. Yes, it um, <laughs> You know, and, and watching Aaron McNair, do the same thing and, and knowing that he was special, watching him out on the field like this dude is different, you know? So all those things make make the experience what it is. And and we all have a bond. Regardless of what school we go to, when we all see each other, you know, we all have a bond. And and you know, we we 
there's a saying, every time you see a fellow SWAC player, we call each other SWAC everywhere we go, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, saw, <laughs> and, I noticed that too. <laughs> and and it's, just a, it's just a special camaraderie and a special bond and, and, and a, a feeling of pride that you have when you see your fellow SWAC guys doing something special. You got there, right? And I said, we, we, we played Jackson State in football in Memphis every year, so that's classic TSU. So I always enjoy to see the battle of the bands in Jackson State and Tennessee State and who bands better, the cookout, the, the food outside, the Liberty Bowl. Oh, I mean, I'm, I, I, I wish we could I, – I loved when we played the black schools before the OBC schedule because it was the most fun I had personally, you know, before that because I'm like, we get the OBC, it's like – Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And that classic in Tennessee, man, we I used to that was that was the norm for us. My father started that a long time ago. We would make that trip up and get us a hotel and we would stay and we would have a ball. So that became like that became a a, a thing we looked forward to. Even even after I, I left college and went to the NBA. I would call down and make sure I made reservations to come back to the classic. Oh wow! And, I remember when training camp started too. <laughs> yeah, man. Right before training, I'm like, man, we got to go to the classic, and 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 we would go down and have a ball, you know. But the, but those are the things, man. That you know, the, the, I remember the Soul Bowl when when Jackson State and, and Alcorn played at the Coliseum. I, you know, the it, it's just it's just something about it, and I, I really enjoy it, and I really. You know, uh, we're, hopefully we can get back to uh, a higher level uh, because I just remember being in school and, and, you know, we had pros getting drafted out of Jackson State every year. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there were football. There were two and three guys going to the NFL every season, you know. Um, and and I, I think it can get back to that. I, I think there's enough talent around and there's enough kids with awareness that know that, Hey, I can go anywhere and, and, and be discovered if I'm good. Most definitely. And uh, I'm asking you about Carlos Rogers and Anthony Mason. They probably played against those guys in the NBA. I was playing against my my two my, my two fellow alumni there, Anthony Mason and Carlos Rogers in, in the NBA. There, man, uh, it, it's and it's kind of the same thing. We all shared that bond, man. We all shared that bond, and, and we had the, the just so much respect for one another from coming from where we came from. And watching each one of those guys, you know, do what they did and have the longevity that, that we all had, it, it really spoke volumes to, you know, the HBCU experience. And, and you know, Carlos being from Detroit, I really got to know him a lot, spent some, a lot of time with him in the summers. You know, it, 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 uh, it, it did, it gave you a, a sense of dignity and a sense of pride coming from uh, HBCU. And I still think that, you know, with some of the guys that I've been recruiting, those are the type of things that I try to talk to them about and, and get them to understand. Um, if you're good enough and Most that's what you really want to do, you can get there. It, it, there. There's nothing stopping you, you know, and I'm going to do all I can to make sure I provide the avenues for them to get there. But it's about you putting the work in and being dedicated to, to your craft. And that's what you want to do. Um, Hey, you can go. You can go to Mississippi Valley and get drafted, just like you can go to Duke and get you. There's no look. I, I tell people this all the time. Um, Zion Williamson could have went to any school in the country. He was going to be the number one pick, regardless. Most definitely. John Morant, same <laughs> with Murray State. 
I mean, in OVC, Murray State, John Morant, number two pick in the draft. No Zion Williams, he's yeah. number one. Rookie of the year. Out of the OVC. Right. I mean, and, and, and we have so many examples of guys that didn't go to high-profile uh, schools, but they're, they're excelling at the next level, you know? And, and, and I always, uh, when, the, when everybody was talking about all the kids coming to HBCUs, I, I'm happy for it. I, I'm, I'm, you know, of course, we would love to get five four-star guys, but I was like, I take pride in finding uh, a Steph Curry or finding uh, a Damian Lillard of finding a C.J. McCollum or John Morant or, you know, or Paul George. I, I take pride in finding those guys, you know. Um, it, it, it's just it's, – it just means so much more when you have a player that you can see develop right in front of your eyes that maybe everybody didn't pay attention to, you know. Um, and I think that's – you know, we had that when I was in school. We had Alfonso Ford. We had, you know – Leonard Bennett, we had myself, we had, we had a bunch of guys who were really, really good and, and, and played on the next level. And, and, you know, that's what we want to get back to. Well, definitely. And, Coach, your team's blessed. Uh, and so Alabama State, you because Mark Williams there now. You guys played in the league. You can right. tell them what it's like to be in the league and how to get there. So I feel like when you speak to your players, they have a different set of, like, oh, Coach Hunter knows he was in the league for all these years. Played with a great team and great organizations. It can show me the way to get there. So I feel like your guys have a level of respect for you and, and Mo as well because you all made it to that highest level that they want to eventually achieve in, in their careers, hopefully. Absolutely. And one thing, the, 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 uh, the group we have right now, man, I really think they're, they're a special group. Um, just being around them and, and watching how they interact with each other and watching how much respect they have for me, um, man, it, it really makes you feel good about some of the young guys that are coming up now. And, and I think we have a great, great group, man. I'm, 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 and I'm speaking in terms of uh, young men, um, not even the basketball aspect, but just as young men, they're very respectful. They're, they're, they're just a joy to be around and to coach. And I'm just so – you know, anxious to get those guys on the court because I know, you know, with the with their mental attitudes, they're going to be great. They're, they're going to find a way to become a great team. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, uh, of us being able to get out there on the floor and hopefully have a, a some re resemblance of a season this year. Now, Coach, on my birthday, March 11th, I was at the Hawks game and the Knicks, and I got to worry that debt is going to get suspended. And I know you probably either on the way, on the way to Birmingham or in Birmingham for the SWAT tournament. So how did you guys handle that whole transition from playing this, hopefully playing a tournament not, to not playing a tournament to going home, going all virtual, trying to make sure grades stay up, guys stay in shape? So how was that whole process from pretty much March 11th through that whole period to get the guys back home and safely to get that spring semester there? Well, it was tough because, you know, it was right around spring break. And – when I saw the NBA stop, I knew we were – I was like, okay, it's serious. <laughs> you know, because the NBA, <laughs> they ain't stopping for nobody. Got there, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and, and um, when, I, when I saw that, I knew. I told my guys, I was like, hey, this is pretty serious. This thing may very well be over with. And, and, and you know, rightfully so. Um, so it was, a, it was a shock because it's something we've never experienced before. So – there's no way anybody could have been prepared for, you know, what, what happened to us. 
Um, I think now, you know, we're just trying to feel our way through and, and hopefully, um, you know, we can combat this virus and, and uh, get back to some normalcy because it's, uh, it's tough right now and it's just so much uncertainty. Yes, and the virus controls it all. Like, you know, like, I never would have thought in a million years that, hey, on my birthday, March 11th, the Hawks would be done for, for the whole year. That was it. No more Hawks. So right. no more me had right. no, no more no more checks for a while, right? I had no idea what was going right. to happen. And, you know, I don't know when the Hawks are coming back next this next season. So, like, for me, I'm not used to being at home this much, you know? So I know for a college right. kid, for a college kid, you know, having to go to school and, you know, trying to get work done virtually when you used to be in class. You know, I'm, I'm in my 30s. And now they in 18, 19, 20 some years old. Different different for them, different for me. So it's like, wow. So I, I can feel for your young men to having to deal with something so different and come on, come down on their shoulders. It's like, wow. Like, how they, how do you even try to keep your guys motivated and positive through this whole pandemic and not get down because their normal is not the same anymore? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I've had the pleasantry of coaching my son. So being in the house with him and watching the struggles mentally that he's been going through, like, you know, he can't just go see his friends like he used to. He just can't go, you know, to a movie or go to the mall or just go. It's it's really tough on him, and I get it, you know. And um, I, I think initially I think they didn't really understand how serious – that it was until they saw, you know, how many people uh, we were losing. And and that's, you know, when my son was like, dad, this is serious. And I'm like, yeah. It's like, you know, I don't, I, I hate the fact that you can't have a normal life and go hang out with your friends and things like that. But, you know, right now we can't do that. You know, we, we got to try to do our part to help fight this thing and, and hopefully um, get it under control so we can get back to doing what we used to do. And what I've told a lot of young men who's called me coaches, say, you have to say no to things you'll say yes to, even for me. It's something I want to do, but I can't do because it's not worth it. You know, I'm around older people, and right. I'm around people who I can get sick. I'm in, th I'm in my 30s. I, I'm, I probably will be okay. But I can see for me my older relatives who may not be okay if I go around them. So having to say no that you want to say yes to is something young men have to learn and understand because that no today can save somebody tomorrow, and you're, maybe even yourself. If you, you know, because you never know what this virus is tricky. Because even here in town, in Georgia State, our starting quarterback is out for you because he had COVID. But as the heart thing with the heart muscle expanded and it, swollen, so he can't play. So even for a young man, COVID affects you, whether or not be the full, like, flu like symptom of COVID, but it's doing something to your body right. internally, which is your heart. And, and that's the problem. And, and that's what I tell a lot of young kids you don't know how that thing is going to affect you. So don't take a chance, you know. Um, you don't know if, if you'll be, you know, asymptomatic or you don't know if it'll take you, you know, down like it does you know, older people. You don't know the effects, especially being an athlete. Um, I, I just, you know, and I keep hearing people say, well, we can't just do nothing. We can't stop our world and we can't do this. And I'm like, I don't know the, 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 the final uh, – the final answer to combat this thing, but I know we got to do better than we've been doing and we have to change something to, to try to combat it. And, you know, other countries have been successful in subduing it, you know, so there's something we're not doing or, you know, or we've just given up, 
you know, and if that's the case, then this is going to be the normalty, normalcy for us. And, and who wants to, who wants that? Exactly, because I, I miss being able to go out and travel and see people and go go on my uh, college basketball tour before the Hawks season starts. I miss being able to do those things. I can't right. do it this year. You know, I, I used to go visit right. different schools and see different guys' practices. I can't do it this year because of, you know, COVID-19 and having older relatives around me. So, I mean, I bring second sacrifice others can too. I, we need to sacrifice today, Coach, so we can be alive tomorrow. People will be alive tomorrow because people have died and, and are gone for no reason because we're being selfish. It's selfish why we're not we out of this. People are being selfish. They want to have their immediate gratification now, not thinking about the down the road, the bigger the bigger picture here. And 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 all we have to do, man, is it's I've I've seen friends, I've seen friends of mine that have passed from it. I I, I one of my uh childhood, I called them my big brothers in the neighborhood. You know, we had a lot of big brothers in the neighborhood who looked after us young guys. You know, one of my uh, neighborhood big brothers passed away two days ago, you know. Um, so this thing is affecting everybody. And, and, and um, you have to have some type of compassion to understand, like, man, we, we have to do something. We have, to, we have to do our part to try to help subdue it and help, you know, stump this thing out because, you know, the numbers are, are – the projections are awful, you know. And, and if there's any way that we can do our part, especially in the black community, you know, um, we're losing our people. Yes. And, and, and if we don't care about nothing else, we got to care about our people. Because um, if we don't, nobody else will. And so, Coach, so, that's so, so true, man. Coaches, I'm sad because, you know, in Atlanta, people are having pool parties, having club concerts, and I'm like, what are we doing? We're, we're hurting ourselves here. And, you know, it's like it blows my mind. Like, you know, you, you, they, they from the radio coach, you know, come to the club, social distancing club. That's only in theory, Coach, because if you take, want to eat or drink, you got to take your mask off. We're in the same air. So that's in the dance floor. Hey, so this is a dance floor. It's not happening. So it's like, you know, when I hear these things on the radio here in town and hear the promotion of concerts in the end of I'm like, what are we doing? We're hurting our sisters on in the foot when it's kicking us out the most. And it's helping people who want to get rid of us, get rid of us indirectly as well, if you want to be truthful about it. It's like, come on, we got to be smart in this, coach. We have to be. And um, I mean, there's nothing else we can we're, – we're looking at the numbers. We're looking at our communities being tore apart by this thing. I, I've watched young men lose, you know, both parents. I've, I've watched, you know, friends pass away. I've watched elderly people pass away. I, I mean, every, every aspect of our uh, community, we're being affected. And, and we have to take the, the onus on ourselves to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to do something about it for our people. You know, yes. and, and, and that's the only way that, that we're going to have to change it. It's just like, you know, when we explain to the younger guys about the responsibilities that we put upon them, you know, to fight for equality and fight for, um, you know, fight against systemic racism and to fight against all the things that have oppressed us uh, over our lifetime, you know. And, and, and it saddens me because some of us are so blinded because we've been under this oppression so long that they can't see it. Most they definitely. just think, oh, that this is how it is. And I'm like, no, it's not how it is and not how it's supposed to be, you know. Um, I get questioned a lot by friends of mine, say, why do you speak out so much about social issues? You know, why do you, you know, 
don't you, don't you, are you afraid that, you know, maybe they'll look over you for a, a bigger job? I said, I don't really care. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's about right and wrong. Right. Right. But that's the mindset that some of us have been, you know, tainted with. You know, there, there are people who, um, you know, I, 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 I always make, you know, I just got on social media since we've been in the pandemic because I've never been on it. So now I'm on it. And, and so I'll make a post about, you know, I, I was congratulating and, and applauding the NBA guys for taking a stance. And, and so all, all in the same post, I was like, I, I applaud my NBA brothers for, for continuing to bring awareness and to make a stand about, you know, what happened in Wisconsin. I said, but don't be mistaken, you know, make no mistake about it. It's not their job to end racism. It sure is. I said, I said because they didn't start it. <laughs> they didn't he create it. Right. He got that right. So, 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 and here's another, I always call it the trick of the enemy. The trick of the enemy is telling black people that we have to do something about racism. It's we not have a problem. To, <laughs> we have to do something about something that's being done to us. We exactly. have to teach people not to be racist to us. Are you kidding me? Exactly. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, I, I just, you know. It so blows it, your it, mind, don't it? <laughs> it blows your mind. It blows mine. I'm, I'm baffled sometimes when I sit here and I, I talk to people and I hear people say certain things and I'm like, what? You know, I, I even heard people say, oh, the NBA players didn't do enough. They should have just not played. And I said, well, that's up to, that's up to them. And then you don't get to decide what's enough for me. Correct. And, you know, those, a lot of those guys are doing a lot in their communities. A lot of them do. Correct. Because that's where they come from. Exactly. You know? um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of those guys, think about how many uh, young black men or young black women don't understand the importance of knowing um, the different uh, situations in the community that they can affect. Like they don't know, oh, the city councilman and we're gonna help influence these politicians and we're gonna help Great. these guys. They, they don't understand that. They don't. Because we've never broke it down to them and taught them that, you know? Exactly. And, and so those are things that, that we have to explain. Even the NBA guys, they were, uh, people were, were criticizing because a lot of them weren't registered voters. And I'm like, well, you got to understand, uh, being young like that and, and being in the situation they're in, they, that, that's... That, that mind's not there yet. Right, right. Now, all of it is not their fault because a lot of times, you know, we haven't been taught anything like that. You know, guys go broke because we, we're, we weren't taught financial literacy we don't know we didn't know our parents were living paycheck to paycheck exactly so what what can they teach us exactly correct coach you saw right. like even me coach i've made more i make more money in a year than my parents made combined you know come on now i'm 33 years really? old i make more really? than what my parents made combined in one year they never made what right. i made now in one year combined or it just so I know that if I wasn't radio and I wasn't blessed with what I have, 
I could be living life like my parents live. I grew up poor. I grew up. I grew up without. I'm no business to be on food stamps, Medicaid, and hope somebody would do something nice for me, getting emergency food boxes. So I'm sympathetic and empathetic to these these people in my marginalized because I was them at one point. If I didn't go to right. school, get a good job, get a, get get into radio, I who knows where I would be at. I would be the people marginalized probably still. But I know where I come from. I'm not gonna make sure I'm gonna be there for my people going forward because. I've made it. I can help them show an example of where you can make it and still give back and pay it forward and be a, a pillar in your community, not turn your back up. It's because I, I got a set little task right now. So I understand, Coach, you know, if it wasn't for me going to school for, for political science and knowing about policy and knowing about this stuff, I wouldn't know myself. But it's going to Tennessee State University. I learned about it. Now I can apply it back to right. my people. And, and that's what it's all about. You know, we're, um, you know, I started my foundation here, uh, the L, the LT and C uh, Hunter Foundation. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're on the, we're in the beginning stages of uh, building the community center here in, in Jackson, Mississippi. You know, one of the things that I really want to do, I want to have a community center where we have, you know, uh, computers for the kids. If they want to get tutoring, we have, you know, uh, an area for that. I want to have counseling form. I want to have a, a, you know, mental health, you know, counseling form. Just a bunch of different things for kids um, that, that think about it. When we were young, we never had those things. We never knew what that yes. meant. Yes. You know, so those are the things that, that you know, we're working on here. And, um, you know, in my hometown um, that I think is going to be huge for us, you know, and, and Anytime we can come back and, and do things like that, you got to love what LeBron is doing. You know, you read about some of the things that all the other guys are doing, man, it, it matters. It, every little bit matters. Um, and people don't acknowledge that enough in, in our, in our own communities. We don't, um, but, but it, it's important. Um, forget about what you think about them uh, on the court. Look at what they're doing for their people. And, and I think, that'll change your heart a little bit towards a lot of those guys. And coach, since the George Floyd thing happened, I've been talking about social justice on the show. I'll be honest, coach, I've lost five sponsors. Not that I need, not that I need them, but it shows me where their minds are. They're talking about social justice for my people. A lot of time about Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Braves, the Falcons, you're okay. But when I talk about my own people, right? <laughs> you drop me. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't need that. All money ain't good money, but it's just crazy there how I talk about my people. Five sponsors pull out saying, no, nah, we can't have this. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. But thank God I have a guaranteed contract. They can't get rid of me. So I say, if you want to fire me, fire me. You still got to pay me. You know, I don't care. Right. I'm going to keep speaking the truth to power, you know, because I have to speak. I have a platform from Chattanooga to Macon, Georgia, and globally and beyond with digital stuff now. So I'm going to speak the truth to right. power, no matter what I do, Coach. But it's it's crazy. They're talking about real life, right and wrong stuff, and you lose five sponsors. Ain't that something? It's and, and see, people don't understand when they when we talk about systemic racism. That's that's it in a nutshell, right there. That that's it in a nutshell. If you if if you don't say what we like, if if we don't feel like you're saying what we think is okay, then hey, we we pull out. Yes, <laughs> you know. You know, so so those are the things that we we have to deal with on a daily basis. Hey, if you're too vocal as a coach, hey, we we probably won't hire him here because you know he he speaks his mind too much. I've seen it. I've been there. 
you know, uh, there are a lot of jobs I probably could have had had I been their type of guy, but I'm not. And, and, and like you just said, all money ain't good money. I, I, I refuse to be something I'm not to go somewhere that, you know, I, that people look at it and say, oh, man, you, you, you should do that. And it, it's just not worth it. It's, you know, I can sleep at night. Yes. I can get up in the morning and, and, you know, look my people in the eyes and know that I'm trying to make it better for the, the generations behind me, you know, and so they don't have to go through, um, you know, this systemic racism that we deal with. Um, I, I spoke out about the situation in uh, New Jersey, uh, Brooklyn, when they hired Steve Nash. And, and people were like, oh, well, you know, there have been black coaches that I, I said, uh, let's get it. I said, let me explain it to you. Let me break it down so you'll understand what I mean. And it's nothing against Steve Nash. I like him, actually. Uh, we wish him the best. I said, but there's no black coach on earth that I've ever seen wake up one morning and say, you know what? I want to coach. And he gets to go coach two uh, top 10 NBA players where the team is predicted when, when those two guys are healthy to be fighting for a championship. Never happened. Got there right. Never. You know, Got there right. we get teams that we get teams that they expect you to work a miracle, and when you don't, you you never get another opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, but 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 you watch them give guys, and, and you know what? And I have nothing against any of the coaches, but I'm just saying about the situations. Like, yeah, you'll never. You, I, I've never really seen a black coach take over a team that was bad. And get to ride it out till the end. Never. Never. And watch, look here in Atlanta with Lloyd Pierce. I love Lloyd Pierce, but I doubt he'll be here very long because he's going to take all the L's, get the team to a certain level, and they're going to hire somebody to appease Trey Young and make hope he'll stay, not ask to leave after year seven when he's ready to go to a bigger market. So, I know this because I, I love Lloyd Pierce, but I, I've seen it too many times what's going to happen to Lloyd Pierce, unfortunately. We've all seen it. We've all seen it. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know I, I, I remember we just, did a, we just did a big thing here in Mississippi about, you know, uh, changing the state flag. And um, we, they had all the Division I coaches. And so you look at – you look across the board and you go, USM, white coach. Ole Miss, white coach. Mississippi State, white coach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Jackson State, Valley. All coins. <laughs> yep. Now, is that, I mean, is that coincidental? I mean, you know, and, and people, uh, I, I put a, I put, I put a, 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 I put some statistics up on, on Twitter one day. And I was just showing the discrepancy in, in Division One coaching black guys. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you always get the, the, the logical thinkers that come up and say, well, you know, the reason is because, you know, uh, X amount of people, there are X amount of blacks and X amount. I said, okay, well, that makes sense. I said, well, let me, let me, let me use your same logic with players. Mm-hmm. I said, since there's more whites than blacks, why is there more black players? Exactly. Because if what you're saying is real, it'll reflect across the board. Got you out there, right? <laughs> but it, but it's not. And, and unfortunately, you know, uh, for black coaches, for us to be hired, it has to be intentional. It can't be the norm simply because 
we don't get the opportunities. And the people making the hires are not doing like us. They have a tendency to hire people that look like them. Yep. So, so, so to even the playing field, you have to be intentional. It has to be intentional. It can't be a Rooney rule because that's fluff. You know, um, it, it has to be, hey, we, we're going to hire a black coach because it's needed. Yes. You know, um, and a lot of people may not like that approach, but, but it's the truth. You know, exactly. it's just like any, uh, it's just like anything else. Um, one of my guys sent me an article, and it talked about the 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 the, the, the black athletes in college are contributing to the wealth of, of the whites that are going to college. Did you see that article? I did. So everything everything that has been put together and built was built without us in mind. <laughs> We're just a part of the helping hand to get, get us to that point of it's all capitalism. It's all a form of slavery. It's all a form of, you know, entertainment and building us up and driving up our, oh, here we go. We got our, got our black players out here helping us make all the money fund, our scholarship funds, fund grants, and, you, you know, all on the back of us once again. Same how the country was built on the backs of black people. And we and we have to struggle for the scraps. You know, right. and that's the and part people don't stand. And, and and it's so funny because I, I I remember on Facebook there was a young lady who said to me, "Well, you know, uh, the NBA players, you know, they're giving this and they're giving that," and I was offended. I was like, I said, you know, excuse me, but those guys aren't giving anything. Yeah, they're right to earn that those contracts. <laughs> You got to earn getting drafted in that league. You got to be very good to get drafted in the NBA. You, it's no given. It's earned. And do you think anybody's going to give somebody something that, especially owners, no owner in, no owner I've ever known or know will pay somebody something they can't afford to pay. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to happen. So it's, you best believe if, if Steph Curry's making $40 million, then the Golden State Warriors are making – Two hundred and forty million. Got that right. <laughs> yeah, it's a drop in the bucket, and that salary cap artificially caps the pay. It keeps a certain amount of money where you know it gives us the salaries, everything else. So it's artificially set up to where the owners will make all their money. Let's look at the CBA. Right. It's easy. Well, well, you know the, the the salary. You know what the salary cap really is, right? The salary cap protects the owners from themselves. Yes. Because yeah. because it, it stops the bidding wars. Yes. You know, you know, those guys have egos just like everybody else. So if there was no salary cap, oh, I want that. I, I want him to play for me. I'm, I'm offering 50 million a year. Okay, well, I'm offering 55. You know, that, it protects them from themselves. Yes. You know, so. Exactly. So, you know, it, 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 it's, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, we, we, as NBA players, we weren't blessed because we were, but, but we work for that blessing. We work yes. hours and hours and we, you know, we tore our bodies up to go out there and play the game we love. Um, and, but but it, it, it's all, man, it, it's all a, a situation where, you know, you be who you are and, and you stand for what's right and you live your life that way and you show people, you know, this is what I stand for. This is what I believe in in regards to how you feel about me. Hey, this is, this is it. This is how I feel. This is how I want my son to remember me. 
Yes. This is what I want my daughter to look at me and say, you know, hey, my dad didn't, didn't put up with none of that. He stood for what was right, you know, exactly. because my kids, grew up, my kids grew up in a different world than I did because they didn't, they didn't understand because they were treated differently because of their social, you know, uh, situation. People, you know, they were different until they got older and start seeing like, oh, wow, dad, I never, I'm like, yeah, you know, you just weren't old enough to know. But now you know, you know, and, and watching them grow up and watching them, you know, I went out and protested with my daughter and my son. I walked around with them and, and, it, and it just made me feel good because I'm like, they get it. Like they're young and they don't take a lot of the stuff that was, you know, that, that people were taking back. You know, my kids are like, what? You, I can't do what? Oh, you? no way. Not me. <laughs> like I'm Same just sitting you. And, you know, and, and you love that. You love that. And um, I remember watching all the young kids, watching all the young ki kids, uh, young, watching all the young kids fight for uh, justice and making me feel like, man, this generation, just when you thought that all they knew were smartphones and video games, they get it. They do. <laughs> they get it. <laughs> These Gen Zers get it, man. He's they get they it, do. coach. They get it, man. And I, I'm loving it. You know, being 33 years old, I'm a little bit above them, but I can still right. relate to them. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> I, you know, you know, it's being true, coach. Though for me and you, we're probably the first ones in our family to be born with four rights per se. You know, the way we can right. the fair house, the voting rights act, the civil rights have all been passed. So my our parents, it wasn't born with four rights on paper, right? Even though it's not right. really full now, but but on paper it was. Was, right, and so we have to fight and have for kids that we're that for my children having kids and for fight for the same thing we for fight for our parents couldn't fight for and fully get. Hey, it's a blessing to see it going on because we got to keep this fight going one way or another. I'm gonna use my platform, you're gonna use your platform, we'll keep using our platforms to, to push this issue because it's time for a change for a third reconstruction to get this country on the right path after 401 years, hopefully. Can't man, we can't do it. It's it's past due. Um, you know, I, I I walk around and I watch and I see the different things that go on and I watch. Um, I, I I was talking to one of my um, my guys who was an NBA former NBA player, and um, we were talking about the statues that they were tearing down. And you had some people saying, "Why are they tearing down statues? Don't matter. That's just a small part." I said, "Let me help you out." I said. There's somebody, there's somebody to do something everywhere. So every aspect of the fight, you got levels to everything. Most definitely. There, there, there's there's, there's going to be somebody on the front lines. There's going to be somebody strategizing. There's going to be some, I mean, there's, there's a line of people that, that are put there to do certain things. Hey, let them tear the statues down. The other people, are, we're fighting, you know, we're fighting, we're voting. We're, we're fighting in, 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 in the uh, offices. We're doing. There's, there's a, there's a place for everybody to fight, and I want to see. I, I, I was telling them. I said, man, I don't care what they do. Change all of it if they have to. Take. I mean, take all, all the racist statues, all the Confederate flag, all that, that stuff needs to go. I'm with it. I said. So, so don't, don't tell somebody that's passionate about something else just because you see a bigger picture. To them, that's a big picture. Yes. And so until they finish that, then they may, may be able to see something else, you know? Um, but, but 
everybody has something they can stand up for. And, and I'm in support of whatever, whatever they want to do that, that, that's helping us, that's helping us see differently, think differently, and, and go to different places and, and continue to climb. I'm with it, you know. Um, I, think, I think we were, we were talking about CEOs of a five, Fortune 500 companies. I think we've only had four black ones. Wow, yes, not very many. The richest one of us is Robert Smith, who gave money to Morehouse. He's the rich, richest black right. person in America is him. Right. So we've only had four, you know, and, and I think only one woman, not counting Oprah, only one woman. One it black just, woman. Just so, tells you all you can know right there about what's going on. And people are like, you're making this stuff up, you're embellishing it. Just look around you. If you're not dealing with it every day, you're not going to see it. I try to tell people, racism is subtle. It's not calling me an N-word or saying F you N-word. It's subtle. It's systemic. It's very, unless you know where it's going on, you don't, unless you know what's going on, you don't really know what's going on. And so I try to tell my white counterparts, my bosses, my listeners, you can't sit on your high approach in the suburbs and speak to me about what's going on in the community. And how racism is, is enacted. Because in, in, you don't understand this. Even you now are having a biased typical point of view about my, you can't put your own white lens on my black experience because you don't understand it. <laughs> you, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, so it's like you get you got to listen, listen, and hear. Listen, 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 listen with empathy understanding to know really what's going on. I think after race strike books happened right here in Atlanta, some, not all, some ears are open and hearts open, but some are still closed-minded, and that's their loss. But I see a little bit of twinkle of change, Coach, here in Atlanta with our white community, understanding it really what's going on around us after having it happen right around here in our backyard. Well, that, that's good because we, it's just needed. And, and um, it's, not, it's not really going to change anything until those that are silent start speaking up about it. Because your silence means that you're supporting it. That's all that means. You know, um, people can say, well, I, I, I never, I'm not racist. I've never said anything, you know, or I've never done anything. Well, you're part of the problem. Because, because as a white American, you can be silent and, and claim that you have no parts of it. But if you're standing in a room and you know what's going on and you don't say nothing, then you're still part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You're complicit. Because that's what it is. Yeah, you know, and, and because we, we, we know, we know, um, trust me, I, I know people that have went out to get business loans and didn't get it for, for whatever reason, probably because they were black and, 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 and had another person that was white go in the same exact credentials and get the loan. I mean, all these things happen. All these things happen all the time. You know, we, we don't even know if we think back on all the things we've done, we don't even know um, how we were charged different interest rates than other people. You know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff matters. Exactly. You know? does. And, and, and it's, it's so sad because, you know, you, you, you learn, you know, when you start learning these different things, you start trying to educate the younger guys. Hey man, this is, this is how you handle this situation or young lady. This is how you handle this. You know, um, because you want them to be able to call it out and see it and recognize what it is and expose it. Um, and, and, and that's that's what we have to keep doing. As long as it's here, we have to keep exposing it. We have to keep bringing attention to it. 
until they make the decision that they're not going to do it anymore because I don't know how to tell you to stop being racist to me. How can I? I don't know how to tell you that. Most definitely. <laughs> I, I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm not that good. Yeah, that's that's a you that's a, a you call. That was my call. That's a you decision, not mine. <laughs> right. right. It blows my mind when the logic's throwing my right. Really? You know, it's like <laughs> it's like, okay, really. And you know, coach, I, I've been called an extremist, I've been called a radical, I've been called uh Antifa, I've been called a socialist. I see to, I said, for, to, to you all Christians out here who say, I love the Lord, I'm Jesus, name me something that I'm talking about Jesus and what we would be against. <laughs> Please name me one thing. Equality, voting rights, fair housing, good schools, education, health care, access to health care. Name me a person Jesus let die. He healed everybody. <laughs> so what am I for that your Lord is here you wouldn't be for? That you tell me that you're all about. <laughs> so the whole Christian conservatism to me is like, it's a farce. It's political. Right. <laughs> so I, that's what it really is. I was, just, I was listening to the comedian, man. He's uh, he's the black guy. He does the, the news uh, thing on Saturday Night Live. He's a brilliant comedian. I didn't know he was that, that sharp of a comedian. Um, so he was talking about, he was like, you know, he's like, you know, black people, we can't have nothing. He's like, everything we have, y'all take it from us. He was like, we want equal rights, y'all fuss about it. Like, we want equal rights, we just want to be, we don't want more rights. We want to be equal. <laughs> y'all don't want to give us that. He said, he said, uh, we talk about slavery, y'all was like, why do y'all keep talking about slavery? Forget that happened over 500, 400, 500 years ago. Just let it go. He was like, but then we talk about 9-11, never forget. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so it's like nothing we do or nothing we ask for, nothing we want to think about remembering and, and trying to change is ever enough for them. It, it, it's always, oh, here they go again. Like, what, what, what do you want? What do you think we're going to do? Just sit here and you know, continue to be the stepchild? No, it's not going to happen. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So, you know, it, it and, and the really funny thing is hearing people get mad at people saying Black Lives Matter. Yes. I mean, it's so funny to me because I'm sitting here like, no one said white lives don't matter. They've Nobody always mattered, obviously. <laughs> Look at the culture we in. <laughs> we just want to tell y'all, you know, we matter like like it matters to us that we're 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 getting murdered and slaughtered on camera every day you know and, and then you hear these these you know, once again you get the uh the, the smart guys with the you know numbers and come up and say well you know more white people are killed by policemen than blacks and i'm like yeah you're probably right because there are more whites in this country than there are blacks I said, but let's let me let me give you a, a fact. More black unarmed men are killed by policemen than anybody. Yes. It's a fact. You can't dispute it. You know, so there is a problem. You okay. know? Um, yeah, yeah, there, there, there's a problem. I, I fear for my kids' lives when I when they go places. I'm like, dude, be careful, like man, you know. But that's the fear that you have because of what's going on right now, even with cameras. Doesn't matter. 
you know, and, and it's sad. But, but you know, it, it has to change. Like, I talk to my white counterparts, Coach Hunter. Um, my dad has to have a talk with me about the police. You don't have to have that talk. That's the that's one difference 101. I have to be told yes. 10 to 2, have my wallet in my system of the console so nothing would be done. I'm a gun owner, Coach, but I don't carry my gun with me because it could cost me my life. I'm legally allowed to carry a gun, but I can't carry it because if I carry it, it could be me, end of me. So that's the difference right there. <laughs> and when you deny that fact, you just don't want to understand it, period, at that point. You just want to have it your right. way, like Hurricane, have it your way when it comes to my life. Yeah, it's... It's, it's so many different facets to it, man. I, I um, I, I, I like to debate about it a lot. And I like to talk to, you know, my friends about it a lot because we always, like, you know, we all think different. So I, I was, uh, a lot of people were upset when all the looting and the rioting was going on. And, um, and of course, I don't want our people to destroy stuff. I don't want nobody hurt. I don't want any of it to go on. But, you know, I always tell them, I said, think about this. I said, those were learned behaviors. The, the, all that, all the writing and, and all that stuff you see, those were learned behaviors. Like, we didn't come over here and start doing that. When, when, when things happened in our community, whenever we started building something that was ours, what happened to it? Got burned down or destroyed. One or the other, burned. or both. There was there was a black couple that, that moved to Southside Chicago uh, after uh, after the war. They moved into an all white area, an apartment building. The 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 people there came with torches and ropes and guns to kill the people and burn down the apartment building because they moved in an all white neighborhood. Now, this is a war veteran now. And he, he and his family escaped. They burned down the building, took the, the guy who owned the building to court, prosecuted him because he let him move in. Now they ain't do nothing to the people that burned it down. <laughs> and this shows you right there. And if you and if you you know if you look throughout history and look throughout every state you can think of, you can go research it and look and see what happened, different situations that, that happened. There are a lot of black. There are a lot of black heroes, black and white. There are a lot of white freedom fighters that died helping us. You know, and I read about a ton of them in Mississippi that you would never know about. That they were fighting the good fight to help, you know, equality and help blacks, you know, escape lynch mobs and escape the KKK and escape all that. And they and, and all those people were murdered. You know, it, it happened all across our country. And that's that's part of our history, like it or not, that's part of our history. Got that right, Coach. And I just feel like, you know, guys like you and I can speak truth to power because it's always going to change because I'm, I'm tired of, like, here, I can't land on Stone Mountain, but they do over Stone Mountain still. I, I would not – I know blacks walk up Stone Mountain. I would – I wouldn't dare embarrass myself by walking up Stone Mountain. <laughs> you know, but, but we do it. I don't understand it. Kennesaw Mountain, uh, Arabia Mountain, all these mountains with Civil War and the Confederacy – I don't get it. I wouldn't do it myself. <laughs> so I don't go to Stone Mountain ever because they still have rallies at Stone Mountain. 
And well, we, well, I embarrass ourselves that way. Well, think about this, you know, here in Mississippi, of course, you know, our, our, our history, um, one of the most racist guys ever lived here, they named the reservoir after him, Ross Barnett. And, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'm looking to get a house and I was looking around, I'm like, I'm not moving on the Ross Barnett Reservoir. The guy couldn't, he, he despised black people. Why would I go live out there something that's named after you? You know, but we, we, it becomes too common with us. And we, we start living with these things and, and accepting it. And, I, and that's part of our problem. Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad you know my parents. Even they tell me you don't accept nothing. If they don't love you, you don't accept it. You you go against it. You fight it. You fight the good fight. So I, I feel motivated more than ever. You know, I'm in Atlanta, as you know, the civil rights was a hub here. John Lewis, right. MLK, CCTV, all these guys, Judge Lowry, and Master Andrew Young, all these people in the movement were right here, and, and I could touch and see. Except for MLK, of course. But I've saw these people right. and been around them and how they speak and just been around history like that. So I'm inspired because my city is a hub of civil rights. And we need to make we hey, make this a, a mecca for black America. We can come look at Atlanta, look how we've changed it. And I'm I'm committed to it, coach. You know, I'm finally having a bigger job because I feel like I have the job I had, I can do what I want to speak be my truth. I don't want to be on a station where I, I have to kind of conform to make others happy because I can't do that, Coach. I'm not good at being something I'm not, man. <laughs> so I, I have you and to, me both. You and I, me both. I have to – if it means being a smaller station, be able to do what I want to do and still affect change my way, I'm going to do it because that, that's the only way I got to do it, be, Coach. I can't be a puppet. Man, and, and, and a lot of us, man, a lot of us do fall into that trap. We fall into that mesmerizing feeling of, oh, I gotta be bigger, and if I don't, if I keep the mouth closed, I can go here. And man, I've heard people say that. I've heard, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard them say, you know, hey, Lindsay, maybe you don't need to say that. I'm like, what? Uh, man, that, it's not that important to me, man. That's not that important to me. Yes. You know, me being me, and and me feeling like, you know. I can speak my mind and I can teach the next generation to teach my young guys on my team what it is to stand up and be a black man in America. That means more to me than working in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten or the Big 12. That means more to me than that. Exactly. Same here, Coach. You know, like I said, you know, I'm blessed. I'm able to cover Atlanta Hawks. I'm able to cover Anything I want to cover, even at my station I'm at now, and still do what I want to accomplish without the hassle trying to appease others. And hell, I couldn't cover you at those other stations. It'll, it'll be frowned upon. If it's not Georgia Tech or Georgia, I can't even cover right. Kansas State in other places, or, or Georgia State even, right here in the city. And so being where I, I can cover the SWAC, the OVC, my alma mater, the, the MEAC, and other schools. And so... Right. The advantage of being somewhere small is that you can be you. Because going bigger means I don't have to give up some of myself to go bigger. And I don't want to do that. Because we, we might have had this talk we had on the day on the show. If I was at a bigger station here in the end town, it wouldn't even happen. It wouldn't see the light, light of day, coach. They would be like, no, we're not, we can't play. We can't use it. But here where I am, I can use it and go with it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's that, and that's 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 what, and that's what our kids need to see. That's what our young guys need to see. They they need examples like you. 
they need people that aren't afraid to say, call out what it is and, and keep speaking on it and keep teaching them that you don't have to settle for that. You don't have to settle for being something that you're not. And you still can excel and attain your goals. You still can do it, but do it your way, you know, and, 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 that, and, and you'll, be, you'll feel so much better about it. Doing it your way and being who you really are than to, to sell your soul and, 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 you know, sell, sell your people out and not stand for what's right. And, and you know, I, I've always said, because I work with a lot of kids and mentor a lot of kids, man, you may not reach all of them, but if you reach one, you've done, you've done your job. Yes. You got that right. And, Coach, I sleep well at night, Coach. I know I'm being true to me that I know I grew this, grew this show from nothing to where it is today, starting 2012. Coach, I started in 2012. So I grew it from my on my own, Coach, no help, to where I am today. So I can say, say when it comes to the radio show and the radio side, I made my break. Nobody gave me a break. I made my own break. So I can live everything knowing that I, I would never let – what I built for the last eight years be compromised by a paycheck. I'm paid. I'm, I'm single guy, no kids. I'm okay. I can make it. I've made up money right. where I'm okay. So right. I, a few, a few, a few, a 10 or $20 more in another station does not mean nothing to me. If I got to di dilute what, who I am, and what I, what I want to be as a, as a host. Right. As a Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And that, that's what. That's where it's at. Substance over all the other crap, you know. You get there right. That's what I got for you, Coach. This I know a lot of coaches have been making sure that guys are registered to vote, uh, getting them civilly engaged with the election coming up here. Uh, how are you trying to teach a young man about that, Coach? Is about voting this election cycle, getting registered to vote, whether it be in Mississippi or beyond, Maryland, Belton. Uh, how are you getting your guys ready, ready for this coming up here in the next few weeks here? And that, and that's one thing that um you know I've been talking to my assistant coaches about us sitting down with our guys and um, making sure that, that they are registered to vote, you know, wherever they're from. We got guys from, we got a couple of guys from Atlanta, South Carolina, um, and, and other places as well. But we're going to make sure those guys have the ability to cast their vote because that's, that's what they, they need to know that we care about that more so than, you know, the basketball aspect or anything else. You know, we want you to grow as young men and learn to be responsible and learn to do things like, you know, when you, you have a kid or you have a son or daughter, you're going to teach them, hey, you got to register to vote. You, you, your, your vote matters, you know, and, and, and that means, you know, <laughs> more so to us than getting in the gym right now because we don't know when we're going to play. We don't know what they're going to do with the season as far as starting on time or pushing it back. But we do know one thing, you know, when the day to vote is coming up. <laughs> It's coming up. <laughs> right, right, right. And, Coach, for your games, real quick on your games, I, I've seen some contracts here where they got the COVID clauses, where you get some, this number, if you, if you, if you make this, if you, there's no fans, or if it's fans, you get this number. And, you know, as you and I both know, being HBCU graduates, that the football, men's basketball, women's basketball, pays for everything else athletically. So what are you guys looking forward to for us games if if the date's uh, November 25th or December the 4th, whatever the date they're saying, to make it up that, those games and get that money in for the university there. I know it's going to be tricky for you guys at the level in, in the smack there. Yeah, it, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot of programs, especially because basketball is such the, 
you know, the driving force for for uh, the money in, in, in most of the HBCU programs, you know, because a lot of those teams had to pull out. You know, a lot of those teams don't know. Um, you, we're looking at the Big Ten. We don't know if the Big Ten is going to play football. So that's their meal ticket, <laughs> you, you know. So a lot of those, foot, those basketball teams, you know, had to pull out, you know, so – um, it, it, we're gonna we're gonna feel it more so than anybody else, um, and we right now the schedule is still being shaped because because of situations like that, which you just talked about. Some teams just can't play because they don't you know they don't want to they don't want to pay for a team to come across the country, you know, knowing that they won't have fans, you know. So it's it's not working on our part and it's not working on their part. So we're we're constantly you know trying to put the puzzle together, figure out, you know, who we can play closer um, if we're going to get to play any um, non-conference games. You know, that, that, even, that, that has even come up. You know, we have a coaches meeting on Saturday. Um, we just had coaches, and um, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, but but we're, 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 we all will feel it, and it will affect a lot of, you know, people's lives. Um, you know, hopefully – you know, they'll be able to, to subsidize some of the money uh, with, with, you know, the PPP from the government to help keep some of these jobs because I, you, you hate to see people lose their jobs for something that they had no control of, you know. So it, we'll see. I don't know what it's going to look like right now, like I said, but hopefully we'll get to play some non-conference games, um, you know, to, to bring some type of revenue back in. Coach Hunter, it's been great to talk to you for the last hour, man. It's been fun, man. I really enjoy this conversation. We got to do this again real soon, man. It was, this was excellent. Absolutely, was man. Anytime. You just call me. You know where I'm at. All right, Coach. Thank you so much. Listen, Hunter. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.